You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. In India, I met farmers whose crops have been literally washed away by historic flooding. In America, I have witnessed unprecedented droughts in California. In Greenland and in the Arctic, I was astonished to see that ancient glaciers are rapidly disappearing well ahead of scientific predictions. All that I have seen and learned on my journey has absolutely terrified me. So the question now is whether we will have the courage to act before it's too late. And how we answer will have a profound impact on the world that we leave behind, not just to you, but to your children and to your grandchildren. As a president, as a father, and as an American, I'm here to say we need to act. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. Angie, what a great end to an awesome week on Hippos, Fiona, like, awesome. Big smiles all around. Oh, yeah. It's an amazing week. It's an amazing time to be a podcaster, budding young podcasters that we are. Yes. <laughs> I wish we were younger, but I yeah. know. We're I still know. Young. Yeah, we're still young. But yeah, it was so fun. It was great getting John, my husband, involved and having mm-hmm, our, mm-hmm. our vocalization off. And mm-hmm. just a lot. And of course, uh, getting to sit down with Christina from Cincinnati was incredible. Yes. Yes. And I, you know, I, I, this one, is tough to beat. It, one of my uh, just favorites. It was just fun talking about hippos. It was fun having John on. You guys were cracking me up. His little <laughs> dance. I, I I did get a screenshot, so it's it's on the website. John dancing in the background. His winning I, dance. I said, yeah, we don't get to see that often because usually I'm right. So it's pretty rare <laughs> when he gets to do his John's. Or he's, his John's right. Uh, what is that? The sprinkler and Running Man. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. He he definitely deserved it because i don't know what hit when he did that when he cuffed his mouth like this and i can't do it i can't do it at all no, but when yeah. he did that the second time that was it that, that was hands down the best hippo call i've ever heard he's good that's why i keep him so, around i tell you one, yeah. one one of the many many reasons <laughs> yeah yeah he's a great guy i love john love john so the week of conservation it's a it's a mixed bag today i think yeah um, for me it's a little bit there's some definitely some good news out there, but uh, I think a lot of my yeah. stories are real and raw and hopefully mm-hmm, will mm-hmm, leave mm-hmm. you inspired at the end of this episode, like myself, to uh, maybe get up and do something about it. And I'll have some suggestions, at yeah. least in one or two of my stories. And yeah, so yeah. I mean, we might as well dive right into it. Yeah. And I just think a lot of it's education. You know, whoever you can hook to the podcast or share these stories with people you know. The more we educate, the more we Correct. spread awareness, the better we're going to be. Correct. Knowledge, change, knowledge right? is power. Yeah. And I think that that actually is a great lead into my first story about hippos. Since mm-hmm. we are talking mm-hmm. hippos today, uh, just like three days yes. ago, I found an obscure article uh, reporting that in Zambia, the country that I, John and I have both traveled to, mm-hmm. I've been a couple times, that has the large... And you talked about hearing hippos. Oh, night, yeah, right? yeah, I the mean, Luanga. You, you heard them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in yeah. North Luanga. Yep, yep. But yes, yeah, so the, the government in Zambia is proposing a call. That means um, shooting or uh, destroying mm-hmm. 
hippos in order to quote unquote control the population in some parts of the river. Mm -hmm. And this is towards South Luanga. But what this call in Zambia for the hippos, what they would allow are trophy hunters to shoot about 250 hippos annually. And this Mm -hmm. stirs a big controversy in Zambia. Of course, I'm sure it stirs one in your heart, Chris, definitely in mine. And probably for most of our listeners out Mm -hmm. there who are very conservation oriented and definitely fell in love with hippos this past week by listening to our other podcasts, if they haven't already. And just to give you a little background on this is the hippo population in the Luanga River is currently the largest in the world. It's estimated to be around 25,000 hippopotamuses living in the Luanga River. I got to experience lots, seeing lots of them years ago, yeah, which yeah. is awesome. Lucky, lucky, lucky. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and in fact, it's about 20% of the world's surviving hippos are found in this single river. Wow. Mind you, I it's, didn't know a, that. Mind yeah. you it's, it's a very big, wide big. river. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> which, but still, that's well, what, sure. that, 20,000 hippos, it, right? Absolutely. And I think it's, it, if you're a hippo lover like myself, that's one of the places that you can go to and like pretty much mm-hmm. guarantee that you're going to see them. And so for Zambia, this is a real success, a, a conservation success story. Mm-hmm. But different parts of the government are thinking that a call might be a good idea. And obviously it would probably generate some revenue with trophy hunting. And another reason for the proposed hippo call out of Zambia is anthrax, which of course any listener knows if they hear that word, it's like mm-hmm. code red. That's a very, very deadly Bad disease. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times different species of animals such as hippos, cows, sheep can sometimes mm-hmm. suffer from it, especially anthrax, yeah. when there's drought in Africa. And historically, yeah. there's been a, a hippos that have had a little bit of anthrax in Zambia and Namibia years ago. However, none of this anthrax spread to people. So in the unlikely event that a hippo did get anthrax on the Luanga River, it potentially could spread to people because people also use the water for fishing and and, and boating and cleaning their laundry. Mm-hmm. But as long as they didn't if they weren't exposed to dead flesh or they didn't eat the meat, right. they would be fine. And yeah, once- anthrax, I'll just jump in real quick because that was kind of my thing in the army was, you know, biological warfare, defend, de- defense, not mm-hmm. not making stuff. I was, you know, in charge of, you know, ensuring we were defending against some of that stuff. And bio warfare is the scariest stuff on earth to me. Sure. More than nukes and chem weapons. But anthrax is not one like, say, Ebola. You know, gotcha. Ebola in Africa is horrific. It. But the the only good thing about Ebola is it kills people so quickly that they can't spread it See, as well. See, look at you're being positive. <laughs> I, yeah. I love how you do that. That's it. It's like, it, <laughs> it's not what? so bad. I, I'd rather go from Ebola than <laughs> anthrax any day, folks. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, anthrax isn't that as scary as Ebola. Sure. Ebola scares the snot out of me. It is. But it's, whoa, it's a nice clean death. And melt. Yeah. No. No. Ebola? Oh my God, no! It's like you, you liquefy oh. your insides. Liquefy. So which one's the easy one? It's anthrax like, is the easy one. There's no oh. easy death with bioweapons. It sucks. <laughs> Nukes are easy because you die okay, instantly okay, there you go. unless you there get you radiation go. poison. Chem weapons you suffer for a little bit. Bioweapons you can suffer for weeks, and you never knew where it came from. It's scary, scary stuff. But yeah, anthrax should not be a reason to be calling. Well, hippos. and Chris. So exactly, Chris. And so obviously the naysayers of this proposed call of hippos are basically their comment is, okay, so you call 250 out of 20,000 a year. Is that going to really help? If you really are allegedly worried about potential anthrax, is 250 going to even help reduce that teeny tiny percentage? No. No. And then the other thing too is one of the sites, one of the proposed call sites is is near a very famous tourism destination and lodge where people like to sit and watch the hippos. And so a lot of people that like to go view wildlife or uh, use photography with wildlife aren't necessarily fans of hunting wildlife, especially in threatened, right? The hippo, let's, let's keep in mind oh, folks yeah. too, the hippo in general, yeah. they're not, they're threatened. Their numbers are between yes. 115,000 and maybe 130,000. 125, yeah, 130, yeah. So the animal's vulnerable. And yeah. now, you know, keep in mind a final decision has not been made. And because mm. this is happening over in 
in Africa, in Zambia. I'm not sure what my advice would be to the listener um, if they're worked up, but you could probably contact some of the Zambian tourism or wildlife viewing mm -hmm. uh, Facebook groups and maybe just tell them, Hey, I don't like this. Um, this is, I'm not, I just yeah. learned a lot about hippos from this awesome podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're awesome. They're intelligent. They're beautiful, magnificent. And the other thing too, that I guess, I don't know. I don't know if I touched on this in our normal podcast, mm -hmm. but keep in mind that hippos are more endangered than elephants as far as numbers go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a little bit less. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely yeah. less of yeah. them in general. And I think they just be, they don't get as much media at all. In fact, at all. You're at right. all. And right. this article, what, well, like I said, this article that I found, I had to dig up and, mm -hmm. you know, find it from some obscure European media site, mm -hmm. which I'm glad that they reported on it. But so yeah, I think it's just goes to show you that you got to keep up with this stuff. And then, uh, and then, or if you are a tourist, vote with your dollar. Yeah. Uh, Zambia yeah. is amazingly safe and awesome country to view wildlife mm -hmm. in. And mm -hmm. so uh, I highly recommend going and hopefully our hippo friends will not be called. Yes. Yes. We, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was with Jim Winepress or it could have been with Jesse. We were talking about trophy hunting and it was the giraffe and it was this young woman from Kentucky in the U.S. that, had killed this beautiful, you know, older, not ancient, but older male giraffe. And it went around social media. People were upset, I think rightfully so. And I kind of went into how trophy hunting's kind of not really helping conservation. And then you talk to Allison, which I know in another story here coming up in a second, you're going to touch upon her and her work in, in Africa talked about trophy hunting. And she said there was, there was very few places in Africa that did it right. Crap. Where that money did go to conservation, but in her view, because there's no regulation, there is no laws governing any of this or oversight that people are going, Oh, come kill a lion. It goes to conservation. It, conservation of the guy's wallet, you know, exactly. and, and his livelihood, not conservation of the species. Yes. So well, and that's the other thing too, is most a lot, not all, but a lot most of these African countries don't have a lot of the government regulations that we yeah. have as far as overseeing no. some of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many countries in Africa, so they all have different regulations and different, different things. So for us just to say, Oh, trophy hunting is helping conservation. Eh -eh. And, and actually it, it made me think, Ange, we have an incredible interview coming up in a few weeks. It, it's we're, we're working on one and I, I wish I could give it away, but Don't I'm going to ask do it. Don't, no, I won't, I won't give it away, but I'm going to ask him about trophy hunting because the species he covers is one that's often targeted. So stay tuned for that one. All right. Now you got to be fired up, Angie. Uh -oh. Here we go. I know I, on the video <laughs> screen, you're like wagging your pen and shaking it at me. So <laughs> it just, I look this stuff up and I do the research and I, I investigate and look at the data, you know, as a scientist and it's just, Oh, it gets me mad that things just are so misconstrued. I just wish everybody was honest and upfront about stuff. Anyways. So that leads into this story. And I'm, I'm, I'm giving an update on the Iceland whaling situation. And I know I brought, this was Jim Winepress and I, his baby for a while. We, we kind of went back sure. and forth Sure. Well, then this. this story has received a, a lot more attention. Uh, yes. Probably because it's a whale. People love whales yeah. and people love Iceland and clearly there's conflict. Yeah. Yeah. And so ice last week or two weeks ago, I think I, I mentioned that Iceland was accused of harvesting or this group out of Iceland that the Iceland government is supporting. To go out and harvest, I think, up to 250 fin whales. Jeez, Louise, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've got some data on fin whales because I really dug into this. So a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that, you know, some pictures or images came out that it was actually a, male, a young male blue whale that they killed. And they countered, no, no, this is a hybrid, so it's legal for us to kill it. A hybrid of what? Okay. Like a hybrid... Okay, a hybrid of a fin whale and a blue whale. Okay. okay. They, the whalers are saying, we go out, when we see blue whales, we can identify them, their blowholes and all that stuff. When we come up upon them, if we identify it as a blue whale, we, we shove off and we don't harvest them, we go look for fin whales. This particular one, being a hybrid, had behaviors of, or, or the blowhole of a fin whale, so they killed it. And then they pulled out of the water and it looks like a blue whale. So, they're like, oh, it's a hybrid. Anyways, Iceland did do DNA testing. They 
and this is coming out of Iceland. So I don't, know, I don't I'm a little, I, I wish an independent lab outside of Iceland would test the meat, but it, it probably is, or, or the, the DNA. They, they said it was in fact a hybrid of a blue whale and a fin whale, which brings up a whole different yeah, discussion. That's pretty for problematic me. and rare and weird. If that yeah. is the case. Yeah. When you start getting hybrids in nature, so one that comes to mind is the, the, it was a few years ago, there was the polar bear and the mm-hmm. grizzly bear hybrid that a hunter had killed. That means polar bears are coming off their natural habitat, mm-hmm. you know, environment or where they nat- habitat coming into crossing over with Correct. grizzly bears. And that's, an in- that's to me, that's an indication there's a problem when you start mm-hmm. seeing this. Because a polar bear and a grizzly bear should not be mating. It's not natural behavior. They should be seeking out others of their own kind. And they have now, strikingly different territories, typically. Yeah, and behaviors. And, and this could be a long, long scientific debate on speciation. Yeah, hybridization is what leads to new species, blah, blah, blah. That takes thousands or millions of years if you haven't learned that over the podcast, right? <laughs> you know? Exactly. Hippos, five million years to get to where they are today, right? Okay. Anyways, it comes to find out they cannot sell this meat because it's a hybrid. Oh, geez. So the big question is, yeah, what are they going to do with this animal they killed? You know, what are they, they going to melt it down into this vitamin thing that this guy says he's going to make? You know, vitamins or nutraceuticals? Uh, anyways, this is why I fired up. Well, I'm wondering if they got a hybrid, are they going to stop this ridiculous hunting because clearly they can't tell them apart? No. No, no, no. They just said, from what I read, it was, they've only seen five of these in like the last decade or 20 years. They're just so extremely rare. Okay. Hmm. Or they were, they were extremely rare. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Now they're probably extinct, the hybrids. What I did want to bring up today was I looked up some of the fin whale numbers. Well, that was going to be my next question. Tell me, give me some stats on this fin whale. Okay. So the fin whale is classified as endangered. So... Oh, Iceland is killing endangered species. That's why we want to boycott Iceland. Like I will not go to Iceland if they're hunting these whales. Like no way. I will never, you know, Iceland is to me like the New Zealand of the North. It's just a gorgeous place. They just, the pictures coming out of there. People are supposed to be incredible. I mean, anybody that has the pirate party in power or they elect people from the pirate party. I mean, come on. (laughs) It's like, I want to go hang out with these people. Uh, Yeah. I'm not going to. No, my, my, uh, I had a cousin and aunt and uncle just came back from there about a month ago okay. and they, obviously their pictures were amazing and it looked gorgeous, yeah. but this is definitely something to consider. And I, yeah. uh, what is their rationale for okay. allowing this hunting? So, you know, digging into it a little bit. So it's some of the numbers on the fin whale, the population decline, similar to what we talked about with blue whales has been 70% since 1929. That's now, crazy fast. Most, mm-hmm. yeah, most of the whaling subsided in the seventies, right? That's Correct. when I think there was a big movement. You know, we talked about that with the blue whales. These, these whales like cooler waters. So they're, they're very much like blue whales. They, they're in the southern and northern hemisphere in these, in these cooler waters. There's fin whales off New Zealand, you know, South Africa in that zone. And then obviously around Iceland, North America and, you know, parts of Asia, Japan. The Southern Hemisphere estimate, and I remember when Dr. Getz was talking about blue whales being harvested, 725,000 fin whales were killed in the 20th century. Oh my gosh, that's like, crazy. Yeah. The population's less than 40,000 in the whole Southern less Hemisphere. Less than 40,000? Yes, yes. This well, is the, the Southern Oceans. <laughs> okay. Wow. Now, so what's it what I could gather... Yeah, the north, it's about 56, 57,000. still pretty low. Between the North Pacific and North Atlantic. Uh, there's a po- small population in the Mediterranean. So what I did read, some of the stuff off IUCN, is they're listed as Appendix 1, except for Russia, Japan, and Iceland, because they hold reservations that they don't think these whales are endangered. They want to hunt them. Uh. So that that is where they are coming in with saying, we can do this. Now, the International Whaling Commission has set the catch limit of these whales at zero. Okay. They're like, they're endangered. You should not hunt them. And Iceland's just basically saying, they're pirates, off, we're right? They're like, whatever. We're yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible. There's no, there's absolutely no demand for whale meat in the world. It is so tiny. 
It is so little. And we covered it a few weeks ago with Jim Winepress. It, it it's it's horrific. And I'm gonna keep following it. I'm like I'm like the the dog that takes a bite and won't let go until this gets resolved well, because it just yes. we should not be killing endangered species. No, here. and Chris, I actually love your gumption. That's one of the reasons this podcast is so fun, uh, especially uh, when we get to do our news and go a little off yeah, script yeah. and be a little wild. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> a little more passionate. I know, I know. With our opinions, but, yeah, yeah. Well, if you're a rabid dog about the fin whale in Iceland, then I need you mm-hmm. to help get our listeners as passionate as passionate since you are American. I know you're translocated yeah. and currently a, a yeah, Kiwi yeah. living in New Zealand, but back here in the United yeah. States, our endangered species mm-hmm. act or the ESA is in trouble. Mm-hmm. So we need some Chris Mortensen fire in All our right. pants. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, because All what's right. happening is the current administration, thou who shall not be named Ugh. wants to roll back the endangered species act. Okay. And this was packed this was passed 45 years ago, I believe by Nixon. 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 He did something, right? A Republican. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, he did. He, 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 yeah, and he's a Republican, yeah, and He's a California too. boy. Yeah. yeah. And he's a California boy. Southern California got, boy. Got right? himself into up. a little bit of trouble for our, yeah, no, a little bit. our non-American listeners. Got himself impeached. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, hey. Yeah. Uh, Almost. He, uh, he, oh, uh, he resigned? Was, yes. Okay. Which hopefully happens soon somewhere else. Yeah. Thou who shall not be named. Yes. So, yeah. but anyways, the Endangered Species Act was passed 45 years ago in the United States to protect mm-hmm. thousands of plants and animals that humans, that due to our habitat encroachment and deforestation mm-hmm. and urbanization, if, you know, we've pushed habitats and driven many species close to extinction. So currently right. today, there are more than 2,300 plants and animals that are protected under the ESA in the mm-hmm. United States and, and somewhat abroad. Mm-hmm. There's obviously some, some, uh, crossover. However, last week, mm-hmm. our administration, thou who shall not be named, uh, the interior department proposed, proposed big changes to the ESA and they want to do some sweeping rollbacks as what some people have claimed are regulatory tape. Okay. And, mm-hmm. Proposed changes could currently end the practice of automatically providing future threatened species with the same protections that endangered species receive. Okay. And these new protections or lack thereof for threatened plants and animals would be determined on an individual species conservation needs and, and the most Obnoxious part, in my opinion, if I'm allowed to be say my mm-hmm. say my opinions. <laughs> oh, please, yeah. Like that's why I wanted to do this. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so that's our, that's okay. That's annoying. So basically, the first part saying that okay, you're threatened, you may not be protected, you're endangered. We actually rescue you. You go to threatened, and then you're just going to be kicked off the list. Like, kicked, kicked, kicked to the curb. Kicked, kicked off the list. No more future mm-hmm. protections. Which as you and I discussed is between like threatened, endangered and critically endangered. I mean, the numbers are, or a few, they're already really, yeah. really low. Okay. Yeah. Critically endangered is horrific. Yeah. yeah. And so threatens low too. And so, yeah. It you, is. And so no longer, you know, you wouldn't be protected if you're threatened. And then, and then the other real kicker is species would be talked about on a individual need for need basis. And these new rollbacks would allow officials to consider the economic impact of protecting a species when it's enforcing the Endangered Species Act. So economic impact is a very loose term. And of course, Republican lawmakers for years have claimed, have tried to roll this back, claiming that it hurts business, especially mining, drilling, and logging. Yeah, gas and oil. Yeah, so yeah. big three. Yep. Which of course we have to have that, but I feel as though they would win these rollbacks all the time. They would win, and then it just would not bode well for any species that go up against for yeah, any, you know, any I, little species that go up against like a mining or a drilling or a, you know a logging company. Forget about it. You know. I know in Northern California in the what nineties there was a big thing about an owl. I, it, it escapes me now. The, you know, and growing up in California and Southern Oregon where my dad lived, you know, looking at 
clear cutting forests and just the devastation, like it, it, looking at it. And I know forestry experts over the years have adapted sure. to how to be more Correct. sustainable. So, you know, I, uh, and, and I think, you know, I don't know, just in my opinion, and, I, and I'm not an expert, but on this, it, I think they have adjusted somewhat. The oil and gas, I, I just don't understand, you know, the, the anti-climate change nonsense that they're spouting. I, I just don't understand how they're not adapting to the world of what's going on. And then mining, you know, and, and I've, I've dealt with some of the mining in Florida around mm-hmm. the horse farm there that we had a, they were trying to develop a mine right next door to many horse farms in the area where they were going to be dynamiting and, and stuff. And sure. we had to fight them in the city council. So yeah, I just, it is. Oh, it's well, so I frustrating. Think that, you know, I will. Yeah. What well, is Chris? And I think that the other thing to point to a quick reminder from a positive note about the ESA is that the uh, Endangered Species Act have prevented many, many, many iconic species from disappearing. The, a lot yeah. of them we've covered and the rest I'm sure we should cover, especially since yeah. these potentially dark days are upon us. But the bald eagle, the American alligator, grizzly yeah. bear, uh, American mm-hmm. peregrine falcon, southern sea otter, humpback whale, green sea turtle, gray wolf, Florida manatee, mm-hmm. and California condor would not yeah. be here if if these little yeah. rollbacks, if you will, pardon my air quotes, were allowed. Yeah. No, it's... And the people that <laughs> yes, are... Yes, there's that Mortensen so fire. Yay! Like, <laughs> like, I think of the the head of education, Betsy DeVos. Like, she no. does not belong there. She doesn't know what she's doing. These All these appointees that got pushed in, they're not scientists. They don't have the background. They don't know what they're talking about. And they're just all about big business, making money, mm-hmm. and getting the heck out as fast as they can. And they're doing more harm to the United States... And from afar, I, you know, I still kind of keep an eye on what's going on over there. I'm trying to ignore it, but I, it's hard not to, to get sucked in. Uh, we just, I will find a way to maybe I'll put something up on the website that people yeah, can, so can click and link see, and contact you and I think their, alike. Great minds, their lawmakers. Right? Uh, yeah. That was going to be my next, yeah. my next, uh, yeah. promotion was a group called Endangered Species Coalition. They're easily found on Facebook or the World mm-hmm. Wide Web. But they are putting together a movement on August 10th, so soon, to tell senators that Americans Mm -hmm. do support the current Endangered Species Act and don't want these changes. And we'll put a link, we'll put a link on our website. It's called the um, Endangered Species Challenge, our Extinction Challenge from the Endangered Species Mm -hmm. Coalition. And so, lots of information on their webpage. uh, And a lot of it, of course, involves your senators in different states and what you can potentially do from your couch or from maybe going to your local city council's office and they're organizing it for August 10th. So yeah, yeah. I, I have no doubt that I'd say 70% plus of citizens in the United States support the endangered species. Exactly. Act. It is, yes. it is such a small population that is thinking, Oh yeah. Okay. We'll roll it back. Like it, seriously, it's, Ludicrous. It's ludicrous. The it stuff makes that's me sick out to my stomach, to be honest. So on that note, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but once again, this is, this story is not doomsday yet because it hasn't been done. They're just talking mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. And it yeah. is, and it is yeah, getting yeah. a lot of press in the United States because like you said, most people mm-hmm. from all different parties agree that this is kind of BS. So, uh, yeah, but, 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 but still. You need to vote with your dollar and mm-hmm. little actions go a long way. So Chris and I will help uh, give you the information to potentially join this group, or I'm sure there's other, other ways you can do it to yeah. have a movement yeah. to have your voice and your vote be heard. <sighs> well, speaking of your stomach, Angie, this one, oh, God, we <laughs> really covered like three stories this week because we're already going off, but this one, it's just, one that I've been researching because, you know, in the United States, when I was there, I was doing research in livestock, you know, in horses and livestock and other species. I've grown up around animal agriculture. I understand it. I, you know, I support it. I, I think farming, I support, you're a, you're a farmer's daughter. I am a farmer's you know, daughter. We, we farm blueberries, but I, def- I grew up in 4-H and a it's, lot of, you know, obviously as an animal yeah. scientist 
animal ag. Um, yes, def- definitely. Yeah, we understand. Yes, definitely understand, understand it. it. Yeah. And support it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, yeah, this is where okay. I'm torn. And, and I've gone back and forth because I taught, I taught the issues class there at UF for a That was a great class. class, by the way, when I would have to sit in yeah. for it sometimes. I really thought yeah. that was, there should be more of that and less boring lecturing. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was interesting. I mean, you know, the kids and I would debate and go back and forth on issues, and I just trying to develop critical thinking skills for them. Now, I read this, uh, you know, this week, and it, it it's it's a discussion that I think we need to have around the world, and that is the the title is "Rising Global Meat Consumption Will Devastate the Environment," and this was a contentious issue in that class, and the the students, you know, would throw tons of data about how meat is good. I wrote a blog post. I got to find it. You know, it was a really interesting study about grazing cattle. Okay. In the United States, we're actually helping to rehabilitate pasture, not just pastures, but grasslands. Sure, the grasslands. I remember that study. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was, and it makes sense. Of course. I mean, we had walking what, six, across the grasslands. Like that's how America yeah. evolved. Yeah. They're repopulating yeah. the microbes. Yeah. And it, no, I'm just saying, like, we killed off the buffalo. That was their sure. niche was helping keep these grasslands healthy, but now we can replace them with grazing cattle. And there is, you know, there's benefits there. Now this study is out of science. So again, one of our most reputable journals, and this is what this article is discussing, discussing in that the title is meat consumption, health and the environment. And this is Charles Godfrey, a bunch of uh, scientists from multiple schools out of the UK, Oxford and, and others talking about how meat consumption is on the rise and that does not bode well for our environment. Now, some of the, the highlights from, cause this could be a whole podcast. Oh yes. Yes, it definitely could. Yeah. Yeah. So what they talked about is, okay, the average amount of meat consumed per person globally has, has almost doubled in the last 50 years. So 23 kilograms in 1961 to 43 kilograms in 2014. So meat, is rising. Now, what was interesting is some countries like the UK, maybe the US too, I don't know, has reached peak meat, you know, meaning their production's kind of capped out, their demand's kind of capped out, and that's where they're, they're, they're kind of hovering. The growth, and I know this, especially from some of the researchers we, we worked with down there in Florida, they're doing some global stuff. The growth is really coming out of Asia, some parts of Africa, but China and some of these other evolving economies, as people get more disposable income, they can afford this, you know, we always call it higher quality protein, but you know, tastier meat, you know, more marbling, all that stuff. So it costs more money to, to raise cows and stuff. So that's where the increase is coming from. They predict by 2050, global meat consumption is going to rise by 76%. Wow. And 69% of that is in beef, 42% in pork. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where I think some of the problem with meat consumption comes in. The, you know, what they, what this study was, was studying is, and dairy is a huge thing here in New Zealand now. So there's a lot of debate because it's really critical to Mm -hmm. our economy here to keep keeping us afloat, you know? Sure. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And there's dairies all, I'm, I'm in like the heartland of dairy land in New Zealand. Ooh, like do you get some good ice cream? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Tip top. It's actually pretty good. Okay. It's pretty good. Cool. So, and butter. Oh, I love good butter. Uh, yeah. It's so yeah. Good. I, I, I don't think I could ever be vegan. I think I could be vegetarian, but I don't think I could ever be vegan. Uh, you know, so anyways, real quick, cause again, I think some of the other stuff's more important, but. It said while uh, reading this, meat and dairy provide just 18% of calories and 37% of protein mm-hmm. in the average diet, but it uses the vast majority of farmland up to 83% and produces 60% of agriculture's greenhouse gas emissions. Correct. That is, those numbers are so, correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of a big impact and cattle are the worst offenders. They produce the most impact. So maybe eat more lamb. I'm I'm enjoying lamb. It's really good. Not mutton. I won't touch mutton. But lamb is. I've made some great lamb recipes. 
they're, 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 they have less of an impact, but tofu is actually the best, <laughs> which I don't well, like. I eat it sometimes. Well, it's filled with phytoestrogen, but... <laughs> so that, depending, uh, yeah, exactly. depending on your, uh, your age or your developmental no. state, that potentially might not be the best choice. But yeah. it's Chris, I hear you and I feel you. And it is definitely an interesting, you bring up some great points and, I don't, I, of mm-hmm. course, you and I don't have the answers. We're just, you know, we're, we're the messengers. Yeah, no, no, uh, no. But, yeah. and, but also an interesting study that I just came across on one of my lovely morning, morning walks mm-hmm. with a, a colleague of mine named Taylor. She had just heard this. She had just gone to a conference, an animal science conference, and right, right. she heard a talk. And so I looked up the article and a group of statistic modelers and computer modeling, animal scientist, Robin White out of Virginia Polytech. They recently had an article published, I believe, in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. So that's a pretty, pretty yeah, easy, good, one. good journal. Yeah, it's a good one. That's yeah, a mm-hmm. good journal. And the article was, what would happen if all Americans went vegan? Okay, so this is just the American population just to run some modeling. Mm-hmm. These are what modelers do for a living. They put in a whole bunch of inputs and try to predict things. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. so basically they were looking at if 320 million Americans can converted to veganism. So, right, that's no mm-hmm. meat or dairy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they found is that animals currently make up in the United States about 49% of agricultural emissions in the U.S., the vegan diet would eliminate mm. some of those, um, but it would still, emissions would still be about 28%. So they would be reduced. Um, so they would go from mm-hmm. currently they're at about, uh, 623 million tons of, uh, an agri- uh, of emissions to 446 million. So a deduction, but it, mm-hmm. it's far less than I think that they had hypothesized or thought. And the other interesting point that they brought up is if the new, if we did that and obviously the grazing land would be converted to fruits and vegetable to crops, that Mm -hmm. the nutritional Mm -hmm. content of the new crops would be produced. This is of course just in the U.S. um, found that the plant only system wouldn't Mm -hmm. be able to meet the U.S., the U.S.'s population, our nutrient requirement requirements for calcium, vitamin A and B12 and a few fatty acids. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, of course, if you're a vegetarian or vegan, you know how carefully you have to balance your diet and get complete proteins and make sure. And, and of course, you can do that in the United States. It's pretty easy because there's so many trendy local markets right. and, yeah, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, diets. But, yeah, so it does bring up an interesting point as far as pro, protein from animals and and or other vitamins right. are – it's kind of like a compact way to receive it. And, yes, we are probably – consuming too definitely globally we're probably consuming too much or we everybody should probably reduce it a little bit um but mm-hmm. in general just everybody going ve- mm-hmm. vegan mm-hmm. isn't gonna completely wipe out any emissions no 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 i mean you know all that farmland has to be converted it's like i said there's that study that talked about the benefits of, of grazing sure. cattle in the states you know there's all these feedlots those are just kind of a suck on the environment i mean but marbled meat tastes pretty good. And that's what the, the consumer wants. So that's why, or that's why they run the way they do. But grazing, you know, grass fed beef is kind of the trend in trying to be Correct. more sustainable yes. for the environment. But, you know, to meet the global demand, countries like Brazil, like we've talked about, is the one that is cutting down the Amazon sure. at an insane rate to grow cattle feed, to graze cattle. So I think there has to be a push to reduce consumption. Overall, you know, globally, globally, I yeah. agree. And then maybe in the United States where maybe we are, we've had plenty of meat for a long time. Maybe we, yeah. personally, maybe we can choose to back off a little bit Yeah. to maybe yeah, counterbalance some of these other countries increasing right. demands or. Like, like they said in the UK, they, they reach peak meat. So demand's rolling back. In the United States, maybe we can do demands rolling back. Yes. You know, now this tariff war that's going on again, wonderful things coming out of the United States. <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've read that farmers are suffering, you know, they're, they're suffering there now because of all these tariffs and trade war that for no reason whatsoever. Ugh, anyways. Thou, so, thou yeah, who shall not be named. <laughs> yeah. So again, my you know, tip of the week, 
eat meat uh, steak about the size paw, the size of your hand. I used to love the twelve ounce steak, no, sixteen ounce don't steak. Don't do it; it's not good for don't you. Don't do it. And, and do it less. No, it's horrible. And do it less often. Yeah. Uh, I think is is the other yeah. key is yeah. have it be have it you know have it be a real treat. And we we do go for meatless yeah. Mondays in our house, but I've actually been trying to incorporate it a couple yeah. days a week, uh, just because mm-hmm. it's. It, I do feel I feel better when I eat it, and yeah. sometimes uh-huh. the meat is so good I may overindulge. So, or I, or, or with the meat when we do have it, I'll make, I'll cut it in half and make it a yeah. a dinner and a lunch the next day, something like that. Right, uh, right, yeah. You spread, yeah, stretch yeah. it out. I will say too, I, I I did mention it earlier, but I did say eat lamb because sure, lamb's pretty sure. good. I, I don't know, I enjoy it, but it's not it's not the best greenhouse. I'm looking at this this graph in front of me beef's the worst crustaceans oh, okay. are next what's the They're best the worst i mean not so beef is like way out there at 105 kilograms of greenhouse gases per 100 grams 100 okay. grams of meat crustaceans is roughly like 38 kilograms right. of greenhouse gases lamb and mutton well this is the high end lamb and mutton 20 it looks like 25 beef dairy herd is about 20 25 cheese 20 pig meat less than 18 poultry 15 eggs 10 tofu like four three and a half peas eat lots of peas peas. my kids actually love peas i hide them in their macaroni and cheese they don't even know they're eating vegetables i can't say say that pea protein there it is say that five times fast Uh, it's starting to become a little bit more popular for here in the united states for uh, like nutritional supplementation And the other thing I need to try okay. is I'm not, I well, think it's probably soy based. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Is the impossible burger. Yeah. My buddy Andy, he's recently a vegan or yeah. vegetarian and, or he's yeah. actually has been one for a yeah. while and he said the impossible burger is amazing. So, but you gotta, I yeah, have yeah, one. You gotta go to a restaurant that serves uh-huh. them. I think maybe you can uh-huh. buy them online. So we gotta check that out. One of our listeners, eat an impossible burger. Tell us if it's, if it's yummy. You know, we, we, we discussed some deep topics. So let's just do kind of a, a wrap up. Here's the good news of the week. I've got a good one that I'm going to let you finish it out this week, which was really cool. And we did cover whale sharks a few weeks ago is a study out of uh, Nova Southeastern University. And it was novel approach studies whale shark ages the best oh, way awesome. while they're swimming. And so what yeah, so out of our favorite place, the Maldives. We, we need, Maldives, they need to Maldives. host us down there so we can do a podcast. <laughs> yes. 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 So this was a, a conglomerate between them and the Guy Harvey Research Institute there. And that's where a lot of some of this stuff is, is coming from. And, and I know also mm-hmm. with, we did the manta rays. They do a lot of, a lot of work out of there too. So I think we really need to go there. Like once we win the lottery, we need to meet there. And as I it's say, so it's good to have to dreams. There. It's good to have dreams. I like it. Yes, yes, yes. So anyways, what they have done is over, oh shit. Uh, doesn't say how long they studied them. <clears throat> okay. I'll just sum it up then. So what they've done is over the years, they have measured the same whale sharks that come there, you know, that, that, that migrate there. And what they're measuring is their length measurements and how much they grow okay. per year. And by doing that, they can look at the biggest and the smallest and then develop a growth curve. And now they have estimates that these whale sharks can actually live to be like 130 years. Which is insane. What? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I think we said like 60 or 70, but. Yeah, yeah. It was not, it was not 120. No, no, no. They said there's probably whale sharks that are swimming around that when Grover Cleveland was president of the United States. I mean, you're talking 1885, 1880. They're like, probably like, dude, what's up with this ocean? Yeah, it's. It's crap. <laughs> it got gross. Yeah. So imagine what they've seen over the last uh, uh, century plus. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, wow. I thought it was cool. It, again, it shows, I think, yeah, I bring this up because not only is it whale sharks, which we love, and it just shows that there's so much more we need to learn about these animals, you know? So anyways, that was my good little feel-good story of the week. Yeah, so one of my feel-good stories, at least for me personally, <laughs> this week, mm-hmm. is uh, news out of the Chattanooga Zoo. They announced the birth of a golden lion tamarind, which is a small little primate found in the jungles of Brazil. 
and very dear and dear to my heart. I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, just to reiterate mm-hmm. it, that it was the first species of an- animal that I studied at a zoo. At Zoolana, I was a little intern there and I got to work on studying gold lion tamarind behavior and then also collecting their morning fecal droppings for a hormone mm-hmm. and cortisol studies. And yeah, I just fell in love with gold lion tamarinds being at the zoo, research, science, animal husbandry training in general, all of it. So yeah, yeah, yeah I yep. was just, uh, and there at one time, Chris, the, uh, for gold lion tamarinds in Brazil, the population was down to maybe 500 individuals. Uh, this is probably mm-hmm, maybe 20, mm-hmm. 30, 40 years ago. I'm not sure exactly. Maybe not, maybe not that yeah. much, probably. Anyways, we should do. Ta- we oh, should do, oh, we're do doing them for too. sure. Yeah, I'm going to save them for like our, yeah. you know, some special episode. And I'd like to get, a, yeah. I'd like to get a researcher in yeah. as well. But, but yeah, but now the population is definitely rebounded. I still think they're endangered. Uh, I don't think they bumped off that chart. But the the government's been working together with a lot of different NGOs and a lot of different, of course, zoological institutions to help save these guys in the wild. And so, of course, keeping a genetic reserve bank. In, um, in zoological settings is very important mm-hmm. for endangered mm-hmm. species. And yep. so just congratulations to the Chattanooga Zoo. Uh, it's very excited. Gold lion tamarins are beautiful, beautiful little primates and their babies are silly cute as well. The- <laughs> oh yes, 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 yes. Makes my kids, uh, actually, like my, uh, my youngest Zachary, he kind of has wild, it's, it doesn't have red hair. It's brown, but it has some strawberry yeah. blonde hints. So he's my little gold mine Tamron. <laughs> <is>. So <laughs> he is, he is. He does. He acts yeah. like it too, right? And he's, then he's pretty funny. Also, I just want to yeah, update yeah. everyone who isn't aware. Currently, at least in the United States, a lot of people are participating in what's mm. called No Plastic July. So my husband and I have been participating yes. in it uh, to the best of our abilities. Mm. And since we've been traveling a lot, uh, it's been more. I feel like we're going to do, I feel like we're going to own no plastic August. <laughs> this July has been yeah, like yeah. a little bit of a warm up yeah, of like, Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Or, Oh, duh. Did you bring yeah. our, our straws yeah. and spoons? Oh, you know, so there's yeah. been a lot of like guilt and, and not being the best mm-hmm. probably we could do. We, I don't think my husband's in a competition. I don't think he's in winning any awards <laughs> for, no, but we're no, trying. No. And because of this, I've been looking into more plastic free products. And so just some ones that have helped us out mm-hmm. this month are boxed laundry detergent from seventh generation and dish detergent. Of yeah. course you have your recycled um, or your canteen water bottle, but they ha- also mm-hmm. have uh reusable for those with kids like myself, young kids, they have reusable right. uh, applesauce pouches for the squish food. Yep. So you can yep. basically like make your yep. own. And the other thing I just found that's amazing is reusable Ziploc pouches. Now, I always, 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 always oh. reuse my plastic Ziploc bags. I just rinse them. I hang yeah. them upside down. Yeah, yeah, I do my best. Yeah. But Let them dry. they yep. do get pretty torn up after, what, 10, 15 times, depending on what was, what, how many yeah, peanut butters were packed yeah. in there or whatever. So the, reu- the Ziploc mm-hmm. pouches are very durable and wash really nicely. So oh, cool. that's a little bit more high-end option that's going to last longer. So, oh, and then lastly... Uh, another one that I don't know how practical it is. Like I haven't purchased this yet, but I think I know you, mm-hmm. I remember you always had the nicest ballpoint pens. I love the ones you would write with. They're just yeah. very, very, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd always, like ink, whenever I was yeah, in your office, I'd always G2 borrow them and yeah, then forget to one. give them back to you. <laughs> and then seal them. Yeah. Yeah. That's where they went. I was I like, know, I was buying really pens nice every two ones. weeks. I was like, boy, he must be rich. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I knew you were a teacher. Yeah. I was like, yeah, teachers aren't rich. Uh, it's called, uh, uh but I, I anyways, had a uh, yeah, Pilot, yeah. the, the pen company, I think that's the, the brand that you use. They yep. are, um, making mm-hmm. a pen. It's called Pilot B2P, a retractable ballpoint made from recycled mm. bottles. Yeah. And so you can find those probably awesome. online at awesome. this point. I'm not sure okay. if they're in a local, re- they're probably, probably maybe even like Staples yeah. or some bigger, uh, bigger box stores, yeah, but yeah, 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 I love, I love companies that are thinking outside of the box, pardon the pun, uh, reusing plastic when they can for common products that are often no, it's great. thrown that's great. away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's great. Uh, so I'm going to end with, uh, a, a new species discovered this week. Awesome. And this one's just amazing. I'm going to try to use it as the cover photo. Ooh. Uh, I didn't, 
I don't know if I can use it. I don't know. I'll use it and they can yell at me. Um, <laughs> it is. This, what is it? It's, uh, this... it's better to ask for forgiveness and permission. Yes. 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 <laughs> that was my motto so all this... through grad school. <laughs> this is amazing. So a scientist in Australia was out in the outback and he studies dancing spiders. Mm-hmm which are just the hilarious if you've ever seen videos of them. And this actually link I'm going to provide has a, a video of this dancing spider. Well, since he was colorblind, he didn't realize the spider he was looking at was a new species. Oh, interesting. And it was somebody on his, yeah, on his blog pointed out and said, Hey, that th- we've never seen this thing because it's got crazy blue and orange stripes. Oh, this thing is, a I'm looking at it right now. It's amazing. And I'll send it to you as soon as we get off the air. But it's, oh my God, this thing's great. So anyways, he discovered this new species without even realizing it. It is called the Meritus unicup spider. And it was named by biologist Dr. Jurgen Otto. And this is actually his picture. So, so Dr. Otto, thank you for finding this. Oh, and David Hill, he was part of this too. That they discovered this this new incredible looking spider. It is awesome. awesome it is, it well, is that's hilarious. fun. And yeah, I yeah, yeah. So, uh perfectly yeah. timed. Uh the new species of the week I would like to share with the audience um is a shark. And here in the United States, it might be international, it's oh, yeah. what we call Shark Week. But a lot of the media here in the United States is covering different educational things about sharks. If we would have had our ducks in a row, we probably mm-hmm. should have covered sharks mm-hmm. this week. <laughs> Next year, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, be, yeah. we'll be more in time with yeah. our different species in different yeah. weeks. But anyways, and this is a local story too. It's researchers out of Florida State University, Dr. Toby Daly Ingle and Dr. Flager and Dr. Dean Grubbs and Chip Cotton. They have identified mm-hmm. a new species of shark called the genie dogfish. Okay. Yeah, and it's, uh, they have it's been named Squalus Clarke, and mm-hmm. it's smaller. This is a, this is um, mm-hmm. basically a deep sea shark. Yeah. So There's way, so way, way down, down deep, yeah. and this is mm-hmm, it's a type of dogfish shark that lives in the Gulf of Mexico and Western Atlantic Ocean. And the team is really excited to be able to use genetic testing to identify this new species because all, I guess, deep sea dwelling sharks look similar just because it's such a harsh, crazy habitat down there. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Uh, but they really want to make sure and identify what's down in these dark depths because they know with fishing, they're going deeper and deeper and mm-hmm. We would like to, researchers would like to know about these species before it's too late, and then they can work. Well, yeah, mm, and they can work on overfishing and bycatch and fin trading and all. Well, and not just that. I mean, I'm thinking of the plastics. Like my God, all of those break down. Those filter down into the depths. Yes, and it's like that. You know, we we talk about the what is the vampire squid? We were talking about the the detritus, the 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 stuff that filters down. I mean, all that plastics filtering down to the yes. depths. And they're finding finding this junk in the deepest parts of the ocean. Yeah, so, and this yeah. and this genie's yeah. dogfish is pretty charming. So I think it'll give your uh, new yeah. species of spider a, a run for its money and cuteness. That's for sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. I, I, it doesn't dance like no, the it doesn't. It doesn't dance. All right, Ange. I know you're off for a couple days. Uh, I get to relax this weekend. The wife's finally back, so uh, not just being the boys. <laughs> I have one more so. week of plastic free july so i'm gonna really do my best to do better yeah. this week than i did last week and yeah. i'll tell you all about it if you tune in next week all right <laughs> i'll all right. be fared all right well stay tuned we've got a new species we have an interview next week it's another full week for us so we will uh we'll catch you on tuesday thank you everyone for listening